Welcome to the Ancestral Alignment Podcast. I'm your host, Molly Stanhill. The aim of this podcast is to empower people to take control of their own health by arming them with the tools to live a biologically appropriate life in our modern world. Through the creation of new habits and lifestyle practices, I want to enable better health, strength and vitality that nourishes all sectors of life. Love to start off with who you are firstly and what you do. Oh, straight away. We're just going for it. Straight away. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, for those of you who don't know me and know my work, uh, my name is Amy Bow, and I have been a teacher, a coach, uh, a trainer. I don't know. (laughs) All of those things uh, for the past, I think it's 13 years now. Wow. Uh, my nerd qualifications, I have a Bachelor of Exercise Science and a Master's in Dietetics. And now I teach women to become warrior women. So I do that through teaching them how to train so they can finally get the results that they want through understanding their cycle. I love that. Why do you do that? What's why? your why? What's my Why? Okay. Well, let's go back then. We'll go back. Yeah. Yeah, Let's go back to the beginning, baby Amy. (laughs) (laughs) We won't go that far back, but, um, okay. What is my why for doing what I do? I did performing arts all through high school and I was actually going to go to a performing arts school after I finished high school. And then my baby sister, she had anorexia for quite a few years and she was really unwell for a really long time. And so I decided that I would become a dietitian and I would specialize in eating disorders. So I veered off path A, which was performing arts into path B, which was my bachelor of exercise science and nutrition. And so I did that. Uh, I worked really hard, got really good grades. And then I moved to Melbourne uh, in 2009 to do my master's in dietetics. So I did my master's in dietetics uh, and became a dietitian. And I did go into uh, eating disorders in private practice, but it was, it was hard. <laughs> it's, um, it's an extremely hard field. Uh, and this year after I finished my master's, I was in this place of not really knowing if I really wanted to do that. Uh, It brought up a lot of stuff that, you know, I experienced with my sister. They're extremely hard to work with when they're in that stage of being very unwell. Uh, And so I decided after a year of being in private practice and specializing in that area that I was going to step back away. So I have been a trainer uh, for a couple of years before I went back and did my master's. And I just started in a corporate setting in the CBD in Melbourne. And while I was doing my master's, I decided that I would run a lot. I thought it was super efficient use of my time. I had never really ran long distances. I was a sprinter in high school. And so I ran a lot and I wasn't very good at it. So I... Uh, when I'm not good at something, I like to become very good at it. So I ran a lot to try and perfect my gait to get faster, to be a better runner. And that paired with the hours of sitting to do my master's, uh, I had lower back pain come up from that. And it was on and off for the couple of years that I was doing my master's. And then eventually one day it was so bad that I couldn't even get off the floor. Wow. I was, yeah, so weak and so broken. And so I had a really bad flare up. And one of the girls that I worked with in uh, the corporate setting, she had been going to this other gym, this other place and seeing this trainer. And she said to me, I think you should go and see Jules. I think that he would really be able to help you with your back. So this was a really big year. I think 2014 gifted, it gifted my master's degree. Uh, It gifted me working in private practice, but then realizing I didn't really want to do that. Uh, It gifted me a back injury, but it also gifted me Jules, which uh, became my trainer. So I went and saw him and I still had the three pieces of homework, movement homework that he gave me. 
I was so weak. I was so broken. And we started our work together in late 2013, I think the start of 2014. And I spent 12 months just rehabilitating my spine, getting a strong, healthy spine. That was our only focus was for me to have a strong, healthy spine. So he was one of the most, or he is one of the most innovative, unconventional, uh, amazing coaches that I have worked with. We worked together for five years. And oh, wow. Yeah. So I saw him every Wednesday at 4 p.m. That was my first session I ever had with him. And for five years, pretty much every Wednesday at 4 p.m., we would continue to work together still, you know, five years later. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So that year was probably one of the hardest years of my life, but I, it was probably one of the most rewarding years as well. I learned so much about myself, about my body, about what I didn't know about the human body. Injury will do that, hey. Yeah, yeah. yeah, He disrupted my beliefs around, you know, just training and and movement and the body. Uh, And after that year of cultivating a stronger spine, he taught me how to snatch one day. And I just had this ability to be able to snatch. I come from a dancing and a gymnastics background. So the coordination was there. Uh, and I then fell in love with Olympic weightlifting. I had felt weak and broken for so long that when I lifted, I felt strong and capable. And so then I became a w- Olympic weightlifter, I guess. Wow. <laughs> and I, yeah, he, our work together became about weightlifting and I trained a lot, like three or four hours a day, six, seven days a week, Olympic lifting mostly. Uh, And over time, the first couple of years were great. It was new. I explored it. I was super curious. I enjoyed it. I, you know, was just getting into the training. But then a few years in, I started to noticed that I couldn't recover well. My relationship, my relationship to it had changed a little bit. Uh, I felt a little tired and irritable all the time. It was what I had, what I did learn was that I had a negative relationship to it. I did get injured again. Do you know it was like the training that was doing it or did you think it was other factors in your life at the time? Um, well, I was unsure. So it progressively got worse. The first couple of years were great. Uh, little things came up in the body. That load of training is quite hard on the body, but I had always been really good at everything else. Like I'd always been very good at nourishing my body, uh, through my entire life. Yeah. I, uh, did gymnastics and dance and played a lot of sport during high school. And I was good at fueling my body through university. I was good at fueling my body when I was training. I was good at fueling my body. I was great at, you know, sleeping, resting, recovering. I, yeah, I had an amazing coach. We had an amazing program that was very well designed that, you know, had a strong mobility and movement practice in it. So I felt like I was I was good in all my areas and I couldn't really understand why. I kind of had a bit of an idea that maybe the training volume was a little bit too high sometimes, but I, yeah. And then I got injured again quite badly. I'd had a rib injury on and off or rib problem on and off for, you know, quite a few months leading up to the Australian Open in 2015. And then one night in Barbell Club, I did a clean and it dislocated the head of the rib, like subluxed the rib out of my spine. So I got a rib injury and that put me out. I didn't lift for about five or six months and I went into a really dark place. Like I didn't, I didn't cope with it very well. And what I had learned was that I based my self-worth on uh, the bar on how well I lifted, on how much I lifted. Uh, I was, I became a weightlifter and then I couldn't do that anymore. And I felt like that weak, broken girl that I had felt like a few years before. So that brought up a lot of stuff and I went to some dark places. Uh, It affected my relationship with my coach. It affected my relationships in my life because I 
couldn't get myself out of that hole. I was stuck there for quite a while. And so while I was recovering from my injury, I went searching for that missing piece of what, you know, why wasn't I recovering as well? Why did I feel irritable and tired all of the time? Uh, why would, could I, did I get uh, little injuries and niggles? And what I found was that I didn't understand my cycle. Uh, so I didn't understand, like I knew I had a cycle and my cycle's been regular. It's come on time and it's been pretty much without symptoms uh, since I've had a cycle, but I actually didn't understand my hormones, like what was happening uh, in my cycle and what was happening to the hormones. So I dived into the research around uh, the menstrual cycle and the changes in the menstrual cycle and how that might impact how we feel, how we train, how we use food as fuel. And I realized that it is a powerful tool. So what I started to do was when I got back into my training, I started to write the day of my cycle on the top of my training journal. And just, it went alongside my training and how I felt. Uh, and over time I started to notice patterns, just patterns in the day I was on, how I felt and how the training went. And that was really like my, uh, I guess, how I tracked my cycle. Cool, <laughs> it's just that. old school. Yeah, yeah, old school in a journal. Okay. Yeah, I was. I have training journals. I think they're really important. So I would just write the day, uh, and then yeah, I just started to notice patterns. And from that, then I started to honor those changing needs of my body and those patterns by tailoring my training. And I started to learn how to train with my cycle. And then I realized it wasn't being done. And for some reason, I was. Uh, I was attracting females uh, that had, you know, had been in pain for a really long time or had been dieting for years or decades, couldn't get the results that they wanted in their training. And so I decided that, okay, I'm going to help women finally get the results that they want in their training through understanding their cycle. Oh my God. What a journey. I love that. I feel like the, the cycle part of it it's so funny because when I started seeing your work, I was like, I was, I like, I didn't know anything about that. Like I didn't know the luteal phase, the luteal phase or anything like the different yeah, hormones, what's going on in my body. And I thought it was really interesting because we all like, as women, we all get this and it's never taught in schools. And that's just where, where it really like, I was like, I like, you know, I like throughout my whole education, no one ever brought up my cycle and everyone's always been really, you know, afraid to talk about it. And you know, I was the same as you, like my first coach was a male as well. And I like, he never brought it up. Like, and I went through injuries and I went through, you know, periods of the month where I felt like shit training. And I just thought I'm having an off week. And now like looking back on it, I'm like, you know, it was probably just all different parts of my cycle. And if I had understood that, like the way that I could have approached training would have been so much better. Yeah. And there's, it's a tool. So there are many tools used when it comes to measuring, you know, exercise performance and training. But what I've learned, you know, especially over the last five or six years is that it's one of the most important tools. And we, yeah, we don't, first, we don't understand it as women uh, and a lot of male coaches don't understand it. And second, we don't actually know how to use it as a tool so we don't we can't use what we don't understand so i guess the first piece is okay let's get do you know your cycle which is what i often say amazing wow um what do you feel like you were saying it's one of the tools to you know track performance and i guess not track performance but you know one of the tools that go into being able to perform better and feel better throughout life what do you feel like the other tools are in that in that way i know you speak a little bit about the prongs uh yeah about my red that. umbrella i love that yeah. i want to talk about that yeah okay i yeah we can talk about the red umbrella mm. and so the cycle is a prong in that umbrella yes which okay. all the prongs are tools so if we think about an umbrella 
uh, and an umbrella has prongs in it. And now those prongs, those silver prongs or those black prongs, they allow the umbrella to do its job. They create a shape. So we can't put the umbrella up to perform its job if we don't have the prongs. Now, if one or more of those prongs is broken or it's not working right, we can't, we can't put the umbrella up. The umbrella can't perform its job. Now, one day I was sitting down and I was thinking, okay, how can I come up with a way to explain this concept of stress uh, and all these things that we need to focus on in order for us to be able to get the results that we want in our training. And I, I can't remember how I thought of an umbrella, but I thought of an umbrella and I thought, okay, uh, I think this is going to work. So I sketched out this umbrella and I sketched out the prongs and then I started to write down all of the things that I believe are really important to help support us. So you know, our body and to help us get the results that we want in our training. And then I went that afternoon to my physio appointment up the road. It's about a 20 minute walk. And I saw six red umbrellas. And so I thought, okay, it has to be an umbrella and it's going to be red because I saw six red umbrellas and also because I'm going to work with the cycle. And so if you think of the umbrella, we are the umbrella. So our nervous system, so our body, so how well our body is functioning is the umbrella. And now we have prongs and those prongs make up our body. So those prongs could be food, training, our cycle, sleep, our environment, our relationships, trauma, uh, our emotional stability, the story we tell ourselves, uh, our breath basically anything that affects the state of our system. So if it's stressed, if it's not stressed, if it's got a good immunity, if it's got not great immunity, if it can recover, if it can't. And what I have found is that if one or more of those prongs in our red umbrella aren't working right or they're broken, it affects the state of us. So it makes our, our system stressed. And when our system's stressed, it's really hard for us to cultivate the results that we want in our training. So a lot of my work with women, when I start to work with them, they have red umbrellas that are weak and broken. <laughs> uh, and that's not their fault. It's just years of undernourishing themselves, overtraining. Our life is squishy and stressful. And so we start at their red umbrella. We look at what's the state of their red umbrella and what prongs aren't working right. Now, my work focuses on three prongs, which is training, food, and the cycle. But there are many other prongs that you know, really, really might need attention uh, if you want to be able to cultivate the results that you want from your training. But I focus on those three. Amazing. I love, I love that analogy of the red umbrella. Like I've never, I remember the first time that I saw something that you posted about it. I was like, at first I was like, what is she on about with this red umbrella? And I was like, this is so strange. Like, and then I was like, started looking and I started reading a bit more and was like, okay, this is cool. And was like, I absolutely love this. This makes so much sense to me. And it's so important because I feel like, you know, throughout my training and just throughout my life in general, there's been different phases of me, like really, really focusing on food or really, really focusing on training or meditation or breath work or, you know, my relationships or whatever it is. And, you know, it would be good at certain different times, like things would, you know, when I would really focus on my food, like it would improve other things slightly, but it wasn't until I like, like stepped back and was like, okay, we got to put energy into all of these things and it's all going to like... I'm so much better off putting a little bit of energy into all the things at once and progressively getting better at all of them rather than just being like, I'm going to kill training, you know? Yeah. And it's hard. And I often say there's no such thing as a perfect red umbrella. It just doesn't exist because of, you know, the environment that in, in the work that I do and yeah, for people to know there's no such thing as a perfect red umbrella, just as there's no such thing as a perfect cycle. But you need to know your red umbrella because that really is the key to helping you learn about your body. To uh, If you don't understand your red umbrella, you don't understand how to manage that red umbrella and those prongs, uh, you're just going to continue rely on external sources and other people to try and create the change where it's it needs to come back to you and you learning about your red umbrella and your prongs and how to manage that 
I love, I love that you brought up that there's not, it's not perfect and it's never going to be like, that's just such a reflection of life and how, you know, homeostasis is up and down. Like no life is stable. It's always dynamic and it's always going to change. And even when you think you're like, this is perfect for me, it might be great for you today, but tomorrow we might like, might be completely different. I mean, what we, you know, what we thrive off today, we might like, it might kill us in 10 years. Right. Like, Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of women get stuck or even just a lot of humans get stuck. They look for this right way. So what's the right way? Uh, And there is no right way. There's no right way to train. There's no right way to eat. Uh, Yes, there are ways to train and eat that support the red umbrella. uh, But what works for me today may not work for me tomorrow in a week or in a month or in a year because my red umbrella changes. The state of me is changing. Uh, my hormones are changing. My training's changing. And so if I don't know how to understand that and interpret that and then make the changes, that's where the stickiness happens. That's where someone gets stuck uh, is they constantly search for that right way, but there is no, there's just right for now. Uh, and do I know how to understand the messages of my body? And then do I know how to uh, support that, support the body in the state that it is now, support my physiology, support my cycle? Amazing. Yeah, and it really is all about that awareness. I feel like all points of life, as soon as you become aware of the bigger picture or all of the things that, you know, make up the bigger picture of life that's when you can start to go okay now I can make some changes now I can be aware of you know as soon as you start realizing how your training's affecting your body you know when you're when you're not feeling so good you can alter your training to suit that like as soon as you become aware that you have the power to change then that's where like that's where the power comes from yeah it's paying attention to pay attention and to cultivate that awareness. But so many of us don't know where to start. And a lot of the women that I work with have been ignoring their body for years, sometimes decades, and they have no trust with it. So really when we're looking at the red umbrella and we're looking at understanding it and we're using the cycle and training and food, what we're really trying to do is cultivate trust with the body again and and inhabit it. Uh, and so the cycle isn't just your cycle. It's an expression of your health, uh, like how well the body is functioning. And so that's one tool that I would use to start to understand, well, what's the body actually telling me? Because if I don't have a healthy, regular cycle for me that arrives on time without symptoms, pretty much, uh, the body's telling me that there's something going on. So that's often that's not the first place I would start. The first place I always start is food uh, and getting them to start tracking their cycle. But uh, yeah, it, it is, it's a tool that it's, uh, it's like a report card. Amazing. And how, how does like our cycle affect our training? What, what's going on during the month and how does that affect the way we can train and perform? Yeah, great question. Uh, So we'll look at a textbook cycle. And when we're talking about the cycle, it's important uh, just to give context about what kind of cycle we're talking about. So most of the cycles that are spoken about that are in the research are pretty much a textbook cycle. So a textbook menstrual cycle is about a 28-day cycle. And now it can be shorter or it can be longer. Uh, It can be extended it's pretty normal that someone's cycle can be between 21 to 35 days. And that's why, so I have a big uh, red umbrella rule, which is there's no such thing as a perfect red umbrella and your red umbrella is not the same as mine and mine is not the same as yours. It's the same thing with the cycle. So it's the big red balloon rule is that there's no such thing as a normal cycle. Uh, I have what's normal for me. You have what's normal for you. And no two cycles can be the same because of our red umbrella. Uh, So often it's what's happening in our red umbrella that may change our cycle. Now, there are phases that should happen if a cycle is regular, it arrives on time and it's pretty normal length. Um, And those phases are really driven by fluctuations in two hormones, which is luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone. And now these hormones are secreted by the brain. So the pituitary gland in the brain, 
uh, and it acts to stimulate the secretion of our two key ovarian hormones. So the two hormones that we often know uh, that are associated with the cycle, which is progesterone and estrogen. So a healthy menstrual cycle starts with the onset of bleeding. So I'm just going to go back to a bit of cycle basics because I think it's good to have the context of what's actually happening in a cycle before we look at the training piece. So if I have a cycle that arrives on time, it's pretty regular. Uh, I bleed and then it lasts until I bleed again. And now it can be divided into four phases. So menstruation, where I'm bleeding, which is phase one, and then Phase two is the second half of the follicular phase. So that's from when I stop bleeding up to ovulation. Now, ovulation really is the most important thing in the menstrual cycle, uh, and it should be called the ovulatory cycle, not the menstrual cycle. So uh, yeah, the second half of the follicular phase happens from you know, day five or seven up to day 14. Uh, and then we have phase three, which is ovulation to that early uh, mid luteal phase, which is the uh, second phase of our cycle. And then you've got phase four, which is the second half of our cycle. And most women will associate that with like the premenstrual phase. So the PMS phase, that five to seven days before we actually bleed, that's the phase four. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you want to look at it, it's just two phases. It's the follicular phase and the luteal phase, but actually, you know, it, there is four phases because in those four phases, the hormones are changing. Now throughout the cycle, the hormones change, uh, and that affects a lot of things. It, uh, affects our ability to train and recover the way our muscles adapt to different types of training. Uh, it affects our metabolism, uh, how our body uses different fuel sources. It can affect our immune system. Uh, so if we don't understand that natural rhythm of our cycle, or if we don't have a natural rhythm of our cycle, it makes it really hard to learn how to train with it. Um, so, but the most important thing I think when someone's learning uh, about their cycle and then wants to learn how to train with their cycle is to know the length of your cycle because that affects when the hormones go up and down. And if you don't understand your cycle and then you don't understand the length of your cycle, what often happens is that, you know, you may be peaking when you should be deloading or you might be deloading when you should be peaking. So yeah, the first piece is understanding the basics of a menstrual cycle and your cycle. So tracking your cycle. Uh, and then the second piece is what's the length of my cycle? So how long is my cycle? So I can give you an example if you like about why the length matters. Okay. (laughs) So if you have a textbook cycle, so say a regular, you know, 28 day, 29, 30 day cycle, you could have this typical like three weeks on one week off training phase because, uh, if we think about the start of the cycle, our hormones are at our lowest. And so the first day that we bleed, that would be the start of our cycle. Yeah. So the start of the cycle is day one, which is the first day of the heaviest bleed. So you might start spotting, uh, but that is actually not the start of day one. So day one is when you have a heavy bleed. So that's day one. Now you may bleed for five to seven days, depending on your cycle. Uh, Some women only bleed, you know, two or three days. Uh, it's what's normal for you. And now when I'm bleeding, my hormones are at my lowest. So everything's flatlined. Now at around day seven, 10, estrogen, which is the dominant hormone in the first phase of the cycle, she starts to rise. Uh, And along with her, Also, testosterone comes and starts to rise and LH. So I like to think of of estrogen like Beyonce, Mm -hmm. super confident, sexy, alluring, learns complex dance routines, has lots of energy. So as estrogen starts to rise, as Beyonce comes on stage, uh, we start to feel good. We have energy. Uh, and then with testosterone, it's actually a great time for us to start to 
build our training. So if we look at the menstrual cycle and say we have a normal 28 day cycle, it fits in really nicely with what I would call a build, which is in week the first week. So one to seven days, I would have a build phase in my training. And then I would have a peak phase, which is estrogen comes on stage at around day 10. She peaks at around day 14 with testosterone. So that peak phase or that red circle window is really at the great time for us to train harder, train longer. We can recover better. Our research shows we feel less pain. So we can do our high intensity workouts. We can go for our PBs. We can learn more complex skills because the hormones are there to support us. Uh, Now, as I move out of my peak phase, maybe at around day, you know, 16, 17, I'll enter into a bit of a maintenance phase where I'll still feel pretty good. And so I can maintain my training. So my volume, my intensity. And then if I'm on a 28 day cycle, I'll probably be in my restore phase. I'll enter this second phase of my cycle, the luteal phase. And I might need to be a little bit more mindful with my movement. So progesterone is the dominant hormone in the second phase of our cycle. And when progesterone peaks, It increases our core temperature. So our body temperature rises by about half a degree Celsius. Uh, It can increase our sodium losses, especially if I'm doing a longer, more endurance-based sport. And our sleep hormone melatonin also rises in that second phase of the cycle. And so we do crave more rest. And so we may need to be a little bit more mindful. So the last week of the cycle might be a restore phase where I'm focusing on the other areas of my red umbrella and not on trying to peak or train hard or go for a PB. Now that's if I had a regular 28 day cycle and most women don't have a regular 28 day cycle. Uh, A lot of women have, you know, a shorter cycle, a 21 day cycle And if you don't track it, you aren't aware. And then you might start doing some high intensity stuff uh, in that second phase. And then you might not adapt. You might not recover well. uh, You might create stress on the red umbrella. Or you might be then, you might deload when you should be training hard. And so it's really important to understand the length of the cycle uh, and what the hormones are doing. So then you can put in that build peak maintain restore into your cycle okay so that would all be i guess your if your debt if your cycle was shorter the whole each phase would be shorter and if your cycle was longer each phase would be longer yeah so it's the follicular phase uh in our cycle that changes okay and so, so ovulate at the same time no, no. so So it's a follicular phase that will be shorter or longer. And then uh, it depends on your cycle as to where you ovulate. Uh, And that will be, yeah, really individual on a female. And her cycle will also be really individual on what's going on in her red umbrella. Uh, Just because we bleed, it doesn't mean that we're ovulating. So uh, that's also key to know that, you know, I could be having uh, a bleed, a pretty regular cycle, but I may not be ovulating. So say take an expanded cycle. So a lot of women have an expanded cycle. uh, And then what happens is that they deload when they're actually at their peak. So if you think of a follicular phase of a textbook cycle, the follicular phase will be from around day one to around day four you know, 13, 14, and then we have ovulation. And then my luteal phase is the rest of the cycle. Now, if I have a short cycle, my follicular phase may only be day, you know, one to six, seven, eight. Yeah. Uh, And then if I have an expanded cycle, my follicular phase might be from day one to 19. So Why that is important is because going to often happens is that if women are trying to train with their cycle and they're going off a textbook cycle and they have an expanded cycle, they are going to be deloading when they're actually in their peak. Uh, and so that's why it's really important to understand how long your cycle is. Okay, amazing. And does most of that play into 
I guess how long your cycle comes from, that's going to have a lot more to do with all of your other prongs of your umbrella. Yeah. So some of the women I work with have had, you know, 21, 22 day cycles uh, since they have started menstruating and that's normal for them. They're regular, you know, and they arrive on time. There's other women that I've worked with that, you know, have a bit of more of an expanded cycle that might be 30 days, 31, 32 days. Uh, and that's normal for them. But, you know, most women actually have irregular cycles. Uh, and so, yes, it depends on what's going on in your red umbrella. And often, uh, well, the prongs that I work with are food and then training. So often what's causing the cycle irregularity in a lot of the women that I work with is that they're undernourishing and they're overtraining themselves. Yeah, so I feel that it's so common and I used to do that myself as well. Like I look back to when I was doing a lot of weightlifting and like the amount of food that I was eating was not, it was not enough. And it's so hard to get cut, like caught up in that mentality. And yeah, it's so damaging for both the mind and the body. Yeah, um, it is. It's, uh, it's so common and the food is the big one. So most women don't even eat enough to support their red umbrella. So just to support them, the state of them, and then they're training on top of this. And so that's when we're often seeing, you know, fatigue, injuries, delayed recovery, irregular cycles, sometimes even weight gain. Uh, and that's because they're not even eating enough uh, and their red umbrella is just not strong enough to support just them as they are. And then they're doing all this training on top of it. And often it's very stressful training. Uh, it's high intensity stuff. So when we look at uh, the umbrella, for me, food really, now it's not the tool and the most important Uh because, you know, I've seen some red umbrellas that are weak and broken and their food is pretty good. Their food prong's pretty good. But a lot of women, their food prong isn't working right. And so it's two-pronged for me. Uh, first, we need to look at eating just to support the red umbrella. So just to support their physiology. So I call it like daily fueling. And then the second piece is then we can start to look at eating to support the training. And that's where I would start with the food prong. Amazing. So you would sort of, I guess, suggest to people, is your approach that on the days that you are training heavily, you are increasing your food intake? Is that sort of where you come from in that? Um, no, the first piece that I would focus on with them is just like daily fueling on uh, to support their red umbrella. So making sure that they're eating often every three or four hours, they're eating enough for them. Uh, and that's super individual and we would have to, you know, I, I often say that we don't find a diet or we don't find a way of eating. We have to create a way of eating for us. And so we would find, you know, we would create that what's enough for them. And so it's eating often every three or four hours, it's eating enough and it's eating balanced meals. So quality proteins, uh, root carbohydrates, quality fats, uh, and some fruits, some sugars. And that's where I would start is the consistency, the frequency, and the balance of the me uh, balanced meals just to start nourishing their red umbrella uh to tell the body that it's okay that we have fuel we're regulating the bl the blood sugar uh and we're giving the body the energy that it needs because you think about what's food for so foods to give us energy on a cellular level so in our cells yeah our cells need energy our body needs energy to function uh, food is also to help us down regulate the nervous system so it helps us nourish that red umbrella to deal with stress to manage stress we need energy to be able to find coming from this fear and scarcity place with food i'm undernourishing i'm fasting i'm restricting uh and i have a i have a red umbrella that's weak and broken that's that can cause a lot of damage uh, on my hormones, on my metabolism, on my cycle. And so that's where I would just start is 
uh, it sounds so simple, but it's often super complex, especially if you've been, you know, dieting for years or decades. Uh, and then I would look at, okay, how do we eat to support your training? And, uh, you've got to think about, well, training is a stressor and there's lots of different types of stresses. So, you know, it can be, it can be quite different if I am an endurance athlete that, you know, runs for two, three hours at a time compared to a strength-based athlete. Most of the work that I do is uh, with strength training. Uh, And so, we would look at, okay, how do we eat to support uh, the training and the recovery? Amazing. I love that. Why do you reckon you've um, moved into like a strength-based pursuit for most women? Why do you, why do you like to train people that way? Yeah, great question. Um, I believe body weight strength training, like gymnastic strength training is one of the most powerful levers that can connect us to our body and build trust with our bodies. We learn so much. Uh, I think our body is a tool and we don't know how to use it. And so for me, bodyweight strength training, gymnastic strength training, uh, use, learning to use our own body is such a powerful tool in uh, helping us learn about ourselves, helping us uh, to inhabit our body because a lot of us don't know how to inhabit it. You know, what, what is it sending me? What does that mean? Uh, what did I learn from, from training today? And this could be a whole nother conversation about, you know, I often call it a training practice because it's not enough to just say I'm going to work out or I'm going to sweat. That doesn't build trust with the body. And all of my work that I do when it comes to training and movement is I want to teach women how, how to train so they can be their own teachers, uh, so they can inhabit their body. And I just feel like bodyweight strength training is and strength training is one of the, the be- most beautiful places to start because they learn so much about their body. It's also uh, extremely nourishing for the red umbrella. Uh, high intensity training, being on a spin, ba- spin bike five days a week, running a lot uh, on a weak red umbrella just causes a lot of problems. Uh, and so all the women that I start working with, they walk a lot. I believe walking is uh, another lever that is uh that connects us to our body and helps us downregulate our nervous system so it helps us manage stress so all my women do you know i call it fifteen thousand steps to connection so and i'm not a numbers person for those of you who know me know my work i i don't focus on numbers but uh it just has a nice little ring to it and i started to get uh women to walk you know 10 15 steps a day uh, when they're learning to support their red umbrella and to heal. And uh, yeah, they, they really love it. It's such a nice time for them. It helps uh, nourish their red umbrella. And so walking along with strength training is really nourishing. Uh, if we think about, uh, so often why do women come to me? Well, they come because they can't get the results that they want in their training. And most of the time, what results means to them. Now, this is super subjective uh, and it depends on the individual, but a lot of the times it's to change their body composition. So their weight, their shape, their size. Uh, and it's really hard to do that on a weak um, red umbrella that isn't working right. And if you're not eating enough food and you're not doing the right type of training for you and your physiology. So uh, strength training, like lifting weights helps us build muscle mass and muscle mass at rest prefers fat for fuel. And so if we're looking at wanting to change a body composition uh, we look at, okay, nourishing the red umbrella, eating enough fuel, supporting the physiology and then doing strength training to increase lean muscle mass. Amazing. I love that. I love that you touched on body weight training and strength training. I think that they're both like, especially body weight training for me, definitely. It's just such a key role in capability. Like, you know, once we begin to use the body and we can, you know, function in our body and use it, how it was designed to be used, we can use that in all like other areas of our life, like whether I want to go surfing or I want to try martial arts. Like once I'm like in control of my own body, I love to start with body weight training for people as well. Like 
it changes that, yeah, it changes your relationship and your understanding and your connection with your body. And I love that you touched on walking as well. Like I, I'm such a big walker. Like I will walk all day if I can. I wake up in the morning, go for a good walk for an hour, like watch the sunrise. I think it's such an incredible time that you can spend like alone with yourself and your thoughts and understand what's going on or listen to a podcast or just like get in touch with nature again. I think it's, it's such a great way to like still the mind and yeah, it's amazing for fat burning as well. Like there's so many, yeah, so many benefits to that. And I love looking at both body weight training and strength training and walking from like an evolute, like evolutionary point of view. Like that's what we would be doing, you know, like when we were, you know, running or sprinting, that was because we were trying to get away from something. Like I definitely still think that like sprinting and cardiovascular work is super healthy but I, yeah, definitely like the way the messages that that sends your body is like danger. So if you're, I guess if it, go, it goes back down to like how the rest of your life is and it's like, if your rest of your prongs are really healthy, then sprinting might be good for you and running could be really good for you. But if you're like, you know, unstable in that and you're stressed out and, you know, your relationships are crumbling and your food's not great and then you chuck sprinting on top of that, it's just not going to help you. Like I've definitely had had days where I'm not feeling great. I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to go and try and go for a run. And I just feel like shit afterwards. But then there's days where I'm like, I'm feeling great. Like my food's been great. Like I'm resting well, my cycle's good. And then you go for a run, you feel amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you bring that up. I think that's really important is that, and I'll often say this to the women that I work with. It's I could go and do that. Yeah, I could go and do a really stressful workout, you know, and I'll be fine because my red umbrella is really strong. I know how to manage it. I understand it. I pretty much uh, have, I cultivate, well, my whole entire life is really around this red umbrella. And, you know, now sometimes it's not going to be, yeah, I have lots of work to do and I have to sit in front of a computer and yeah, like, you know, obviously the environment sometimes might be stressful, but what I do and how I navigate through life is, is for my red umbrella. It's learning about me and about energy and the ability to generate energy and plug all the leakages that might be there. And now I could go out and I could sprint a couple of times a week, or I could do a stressful workout and I'm going to be okay. I'm going to recover well, uh, because I know how to nourish my red umbrella. But what's happening is that people don't understand their red umbrella there's so many prongs that aren't working right. And then they're going out and doing that type of training. And that's where we're seeing fatigue. We're seeing injuries. We're seeing a lack of progress is because their, their nervous system is already screwed. <laughs> their red umbrella is so weak that they just don't, it doesn't support that type of training. Now, I'm not saying it's bad because there is no such thing as a right type of training. It's just that what's right for me right now. And a lot of the women that I start working with, that type of training is not right for them right now until they get stronger red umbrellas. Amazing. I love that. And I think that ties in really nicely to the next question that I wanted to ask you about. You speak a little bit about the long way home. I wanted to touch on that and just go for it with that because I love that idea and I'd love to share that with people. Oh, I love, I love you, Molly. You're picking up on all of my analogies. <laughs> I, love, I love the analogies. They really stick with me as well. And I think they resonate a lot with me and looking back and being like, oh, wow. Like that was like, I just didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the long way home. Well, we often, I'm going to start with the short way home. <laughs> Amazing. Let's do it. Yeah. So I want you to think of like Google maps. Now, Google Maps will always give you the shortest way, the direct way from A to B, from where you are now to where you want to go. And yes, it's faster and it will get you there quick, but it may not be the right way for you. Uh, it might not be uh, the way that you get to see more, experience more, learn more, uh, And so what often happens is that we want to take the short way home. So home to me is the body. So when I teach women to come, you know, inhabit their body to build trust with their body, what I'm really teaching them is to come home, come home back into your body because you need to understand your body. And 
for so long, for years, for decades, we've been trying to get the results that we want or, you know, achieve a certain goal or outcome, but we're taking the short way. So we're taking the shortcuts. And to me, the shortcuts are dieting, undernourishing, restricting, uh, doing certain types of training that is just focused on the result, the weight, uh, the, the goal. And that's stressful. The physiology actually knows this. And it knows that it's stressful. It knows that it's squishy. It knows it's the short way, which is not the right way. And so then it's almost like the physiology rebels because it becomes this whole stressor around, you know, getting the result, getting the shortcut. And like when I was lifting, it was about the number. It was about the result. It was about the outcome. I never really enjoyed the experience of train of weightlifting in the end. It was always about that uh, that outcome. And I believe my physiology know like just knew that in the end. And so all of these women that you know are trying to change their weight, shape, or size, and they're so focused on a number, uh, and they're trying to do it through dieting or the wrong type of training for them and their physiology. The physiology knows that it's squishy and it's stressful and it's not going to let you get where you want to go. And so my work, uh, and not just mine, you know, there's people out there that are teaching you about your body, are teaching you to take the long way home. So the long way home takes longer. Yes, for sure. But it's the, it's the way that we experience more, the way that we learn about our body. Uh, we learn how to nourish it. We learn how to recover. We learn how to move it. Uh, we learn how to love it. And uh, yeah, so I kind of think of myself as your mapping app's bestie. You know, I'm not going to give you the shortest way, but I'm going to give you the long way home. But I'll try and help you make it as efficient as possible but you need to strap in because inhabiting your body and coming home into it takes a really long fucking time. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I think that it's such an important thing that it's just, it comes back to that. Like if, if you're say 30 and then you realize that, okay, there's a lot of things that I want to change in my life so that I can help my health. It's not going to be a, like a six week fix or like a, you know, even one year, like it's not going to be that quick to regain your health and vitality. It's something that, you know, I guess I just don't like that whole mentality of like diets and, you know, six week this and that just purely because it's more about changing your life and your lifestyle and like learning to love, I guess, learning like to love yourself enough that you're, that this is like a long-term thing and that you're loving looking after yourself. Yeah. There's a few pieces in that for me. So I think we chase symptoms. So we're chasing the symptom, you know, I have this or I have X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to chase that symptom and I'm going to do something that gets rid of that symptom where I'm, I'm not coming back to thinking about, okay, what's the state of this? What's the state of the red umbrella? What am I missing here? What prongs do I need to, to nourish to make sure that, you know, I'm looking up. Yeah, I, I can manage that symptom. That's one piece that comes up for me. And the second piece is that, so many people just don't want to do it because it's hard work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one, they, they're really unsure even of how to pay attention. Mm. Uh, and then they're not sure really what to do with the information. Uh, and the third piece is that then they have to show up and do the work and to show up and do the work takes a long time. It takes effort. It takes patience, but that's what taking the long way home is because once you've done it, like you know your red umbrella, you know how to manage your, your body yourself, you know how to use it as a tool, you know how to train. Uh, and yes, the, the environment might change and life might change, but you know how to navigate that. And then you'll always be able to come back home. I love that. And it really, like, it takes personal responsibility to do that. I think a lot of people like so frequently we just like, you know, we like these diets or six week programs because the responsibility is on something else other than ourselves. And at the end of the day, like it might give you something temporary that's good, but we have to just take responsibility for ourselves and it's going to be challenging and it's going to take power and self-empowerment, but it gives us so much. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it's like hard. And that's why, you know, I created warrior school because I it's, it's, we're stronger together and it's, you know, it's better that 
you know, we come together and we take the long way home together because if we're trying to do it on our own, you know, it's, it can be lonely and it can be hard. And so I think that we're stronger together and yeah, when we can go on that journey, uh, yeah, it's, it's more powerful and more fun. I love that. I would love to expand on your warrior school. What's it about? What's the, yeah, what's the core foundations of it? And yeah, so after doing this for so long now, uh, and I was so lucky to have such amazing teachers and mentors that really taught me how to train the processes, the methods, how to look after my body, how to, uh, you know, prehab and rehab and manage an injury and recover. And uh, I've had such an advanced training practice now for a long time. And I've spent so much time exploring and nourishing my red umbrella. I thought, okay, you've been doing this at a very individual level uh, for so long. You need to create something bigger that can reach more women. And so Warrior School is an online school, but it's online training done very differently. It teaches women how to train. So the processes, the methods are the programming. I actually posted yesterday, I was just doing a program walkthrough. So when I program for all the women, so all the women are in warrior school, we have a group platform that they can connect together on, but then they all are on an individual program. So based on their goals, their training goals. And I was, I do a warrior walkthrough. And so I sit down and I talk through their program that I've written them. Now this program is based on their previous cycle or their goals, or if there's someone new starting, uh, it's yeah, their intention and their goals and what they want to get out of our work together. But I'll sit down and I'll do this program walkthrough. And I posted it on my page yesterday and a lot of coaches actually reached out to me and said, Hey, that's so cool that you do that. Um, And it's just one thing that I do because my whole focus in the school is I want to teach you how to train. Yeah, I don't think going to a class uh, and sweating for 45 minutes or an hour is enough. And I think that you owe your body more than that. Uh, It's a tool and you need to learn how to use it. And so that's what I want to teach women is okay, you have these goals. Uh, This is the process and this is the method that I would use. This is my why behind doing it. Uh, And so they learn how to train with their cycle. They learn how to recover. They learn how to nourish their red umbrella. But the key piece in the school is, okay, I'm going to teach you how to train. You want to pull up? There's a process, there's a method that we need to go through to get you where you want to go. And you're coming along for the ride and you're going to understand the why. Amazing. I love that. It's so like that just touches on something that I love so much. Like this idea of, I guess I, the way I see it is like becoming your own doctor, but it can be anything. It's like becoming your own, like, it's just such a great way to self-empower people after understanding like, okay, I got from A to B and I understand how I got there rather than like, you know, Oh, I ended up here. Like, Oh, this is nice. But now I, I need someone to help me always it's amazing to be able to empower people enough that they go, okay, cool. Like maybe I don't need a coach anymore. Maybe I can, you know, figure things out on my own and experiment with myself. And it's so empowering. Yeah. And like, I think it's so important to have a teacher and have a coach, but you know, my goal is to not always be there for them is to teach them how to train. And so they can learn about their body and, you know, often give them little projects and tasks uh, after they've been working with me for a while to come up with, you know, how would you go about doing this? How would you go about fixing it? How would you go about, you know, creating this protocol for you based on, you know, what the body's telling you and really getting them to think about, you know, how they can, yeah, how they can navigate their training. And they are a really big part in the process as well, um, which I think is just, it's, yeah, really, really important. I th- And it changes, it changes everything to me, I believe. Uh, when I learn how to train and I learned uh, how to use my body as a tool. I just built this strong, resilient, capable body. Like I'm so confident in my body, uh, like my physical ability that it changes my posture in who I am, how I show up in all my other areas of my red umbrella, you know, how I show up in my life and my work. And I think that, you know, we're craving this like confidence and connections to ourselves 
And I think training as a lever that we can do that through, but unfortunately most of the fitness industry doesn't teach us that. And so that's where, you know, we're searching for this confidence and this connection, but we're not getting it because we're not being taught about the body and how to inhabit the body and how to use the body as a tool. And then once we learn a training practice, it carries over into all other areas of our life. I'm so grateful that you touched on that. That's, I think that's like one of the biggest things that I've gotten from training is confidence and that, you know, and it's so funny, like it's such a physical like expression of that, like, you know, you get strong and you can do X, Y, and Z and it just shows up in so many other areas of your life. And it's so amazing. I think it's so healthy for women and men to both have a practice where they feel strong and empowered and just the process of being like, okay, I want to learn how to do one pull up. And then you do it and you know, I can set my mind to stuff and I can do it. Like I just did this, you know, like what else is in my life? Yeah. I want to do that. I can do this. Yeah. Molly, I love how you say that because, uh, I talk often about uh, consistency builds confidence. And now I don't mean like consistently walking 10,000 steps a day or, you know, consistently doing a certain habit. Yes, for sure. It's super helpful. But deciding that you want to do something and following a process and a method and achieving that, that create, that's consistency. Consistency in following uh, your intention, your story, who you want to be. And if you can show up for yourself and you can do that and you can follow that process and that method, that just builds so much confidence in who you are. Amazing. Yeah. And so much self-trust. And then you know that, okay, when I set, when I set this goal for myself, I smash it. And that just follows into everything else you do. And I, I love that idea so much. And I think it's so true and so powerful. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. And I love witnessing it. I love witnessing a female who comes to me and she's weak. She's broken. She's in pain. She has no trust, no confidence in her body. She doesn't understand her body. And seeing that, seeing, you know, her build this strong, resilient, capable body, see, you know, all the other areas of her red umbrella improve. Um, and mostly just seeing the, the cultivation of this confidence and trust in herself that she's like, yes, okay, I'm going to show up for me. And I did show up for me. And I, I, um, yeah, I just, I trust myself so much to be there for myself. I love that. I love that. I wanted to um, finish off with just one last question for you is what do you think the best way for women to track their cycle is? Yeah, I'm a little old school. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I love a journal. So I think that you should have a training journal, uh, And I think you should be writing in that training journal, your training, the day that you're on, any symptoms that are coming up. Uh, And that's how I love to do it. That's how I still do it. Every day I'll write the day of my cycle in my training journal. It's, I think they're so nice. I don't even know what number I'm up to on my training journals just to, to see and to reflect. Again, it's this confidence piece of I'm showing up, I'm writing in here, I'm, you know, tracking it. Uh, uh, if you're going to go for an app, uh, fitter woman is amazing. They are two, uh, one is a research scientist in particular that they do a lot of, uh, research on women's physiology and training. And they have a really cool app that has, it's an app for tracking your cycle, but they also have a lot of information on there about how to train with your cycle, what's happening at different stages of your cycle. So fitter woman is probably my favorite. I love that. I love, I'm going to get on that because I use one, but it doesn't, I guess it doesn't really talk about anything like phases of your cycle and training. It's more just for tracking. So I feel like that's super valuable. That's awesome. Yeah. Old school or fitter woman. Yeah, I love the old school as well. Like that's just such a good reminder for me. Like I wrote it down because I feel like when I first got into training, I used to always like would have everything was pen and paper. Like I didn't even like even my program, everything was just like I wrote it down. Like and I drew little tables and I'd write in my numbers and all of that. And I just sort of like, I guess at the moment, my, my training is quite unstructured, but having that journal is so like 
it's so amazing even if your training is unstructured just being able to see where you're at what you did how it felt and then next week being like you know i'm going to come back to that again because i want like you know i i felt weak in that area and i want to work on it or like i felt really strong in that i'm gonna like i'm gonna go for it with this and yeah just the cycle side of things as well is awesome to be able to have that yeah and i think like i love the old school journal uh practice because it's part of my training practice. And I think that's the key piece. It's like, I'm not just training, like I have a practice and it's just a key part for me that I write. Like I physically, that's just part of my practice. I have a journal, I write the day, I write what I'm doing, you know, and it doesn't have to be about your sets and your reps and your weights. Uh, It can just be, yeah, whatever. Like you said, you know, I have, I played, played for 10 minutes or handstands for 10 minutes or what, whatever feeling came up. Yeah. What symptoms you had in your body, but, and you might do it differently, but how are you going to start cultivating a practice, not just showing up somewhere and someone telling you what to do, you know, and you not asking questions and them not having the depth of knowledge to explain that and to really help you build a connection with your body. But how are you going to start to build a practice? Because it's the practice that's going to get you the results that you want. Mm, Amazing. I love that so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Lastly, I just wanted to ask you how people can connect with you and how they can see more of your work. Yeah. uh, So I show up probably the most on Instagram and it's called a handle, isn't it? Is it called a handle? I wouldn't I don't even know. know. I wouldn't <laughs> even know. know. <laughs> but you can find me. I love it. Handle. It'll be a thing. We've made it. I think someone said to me a handle. And so I was like, yeah, okay. Sounds good. It's um, at Amy Kate Bow. Uh, so that's, yeah, Instagram. I show up there. I post a lot of videos, a lot of content on training, on your cycle. Uh, and you can just go to my links and it's got a bunch of resources linked to a few videos. Uh, you can find out about Warriors School on there, but that would be it. Amazing. <laughs> Instagram. Thanks guys so much for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed this one, please share it around and tag me and Amy. It really helps with spreading this message of ancestral health and vitality. As always, links to connect with Amy and myself are in the show notes. Thanks again, guys. Tune in for next week where I'll be sharing an epic interview with Michaela Hansen on the topics of growth mindset, stepping into your power, leadership and communication, creating abundance and so much more.